This is the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain. Invasive species threaten biodiversity, crop production, waterways, and more. In addition, humans often move plant species around the world for various purposes. Thus, predicting which species are likely to be invasive is important. Steve Hovick is a postdoc at Rice University. I recently caught up with Steve to chat about his research published in the Journal of Ecology. Can you briefly introduce yourself? Yep, my name is Steve Hovick. And I'm a postdoctoral, postdoctoral research, research associate at uh, Rice University in the Department of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology. Um, I've, I work on species invasions, primarily uh, plant invasions, and I take an approach that looks at so both ecological and evolutionary factors that can promote invasions and enhance invasiveness in plant species. What problem was your, was your study trying to solve, or what motivated your study? So... For decades now, people have been trying to, I think, really find a magic bullet, uh, some trait or suite of traits that can be used to identify invasive species or to predict invasiveness in, in some group of species. And um, in a lot of those cases, the, the, the efforts have been really fairly unsuccessful. The kinds of traits that people have looked at are categorical traits, like um, we would expect that an invasive species might be more likely to reproduce clonally versus not, and, and we treat clonality then as a as a categorical variable rather than as some kind of continuous variable where where we quantify you know the the degree of clonality, for example. It's rare to have trait data um, from plants or from other organisms that are collected from a common environment, and so one of the things we wanted to do was. Um, use a common garden approach to collect that data so that we, we know we're getting data from a group of species all growing under the same conditions. So, so what approach did you take um, in your study to address this problem? So we, so we used this common garden approach. So we took an experimental approach for quantifying traits. We quantified a number of traits that, um, that had been identified in previous studies as potentially being important for um, invasive species. So we have some sense already that this group of traits like plant size, for example, or germination ability, or um, the, um, th- those kinds of traits are, are important or could be important for, for enhancing invasiveness. We quantified those in a, in a common, gar- in common garden environment um, put those into um, an ordination, which is a, a multivariate statistical technique that's really pretty basic. It simply sort of minimizes the variance among multiple traits in um, across all of these species. So essentially what we're doing is then we're, we're taking all this trait data from all these species and we're putting it into this sim- this fairly simple algorithm that lets us um, align all of these species along one or two axes that um, that are related to these traits. Um, what we did then after that is we wanted to so so we think then or we thought then that that the axes from that ordination technique could be related to invasiveness. 
So the goal then is to use an independent metric of invasiveness, something that's not related to, the, to those traits that we could use to compare it with. Um, so for that, we looked, uh, we went to the literature, um, consulted a couple of key uh, compendia about that have to that have quantified um, invasive invasiveness in huge numbers of species, and so these are comprehensive volumes that have looked at invasiveness. Um, actual invasiveness in, in large groups of species. And we compared, um, for our group of species, compared our trait-based scores from that ordination to the literature-based scores from, from these two volumes. Um, and we found that um, the, the, the trait-based approach that we used explained a surprising amount of, of variation in those uh, literature-based scores. Right. So would you say that that was the, the sort of main take-home from the paper, that these, this sort of coordination approach sort of explained variation in invasiveness, or are there other bullet points? So that's, I think that's the most important one for me, is that so the, the ordination approach um, lets us take into account the among trait uh, covariances, so implicitly, or yeah, implicitly, sort of within that within that metric, and it lets us quantify sort of how species vary um, across a whole range of a whole range of traits all in one simple metric. And um, it was the the big take home I think is that it's a it's a fairly simple approach, and um, it it did a pretty good job uh, of of actually predicting the sort of realized invasiveness based on these. Um, I was, based I, on these I was volumes. reading through your paper, I was, I was thinking about sort of this approach of going into the field or going into tanks uh, and um, dealing with actual organisms uh, for each particular problem that a practitioner has or an ecologist has, or sort of scouring the literature and trying to find trait data. So do you think with like increasing availability of um, data and sort of this movement from more open data that we're going to have you know, people that are sort of asking the same question you're asking are sort of are going to go away from the field component, or do you think there's always going to be a need for that? There's going to always there there will be a need for doing the the field work because what's necessary is to quantify traits. I, I feel really strongly that that part of why our approach worked is because we had quantified traits within a common garden environment. Um, if we got to a point where we um, develop a protocol that's used, um, say, the same kind of protocol that's used across a wide number of species, and we um, quantify traits on a continuous basis, sort of stand in a standardized way across, you know, across all these different species, then I think then I think we could go into the, these databases and and use use that literature. It's a question of getting enough data that's been collected the same way and standardized using standardized methods under standardized conditions um, for the same for large suites of species. We're I, I think we're we're getting closer to that for sure, but we're we're not there yet um, uh, in terms of being at a place where we can rely on the literature alone um, for that trade data. Yes. Um, common garden approach to, to sort of looking at traits of invasive species um, or traits that predict invasiveness. Um, how feasible do you think it is for 
practitioners that are that are concerned about predicting invasiveness for maybe a plant that they're going to introduce. Um, how likely do you think it is that they can use your, your approach? Is it too expensive? Is it, is it not? I think that's a good question. It's not expensive. It's um, some of the traits are kind of time consuming. So um, most of them are most of them are simple and straightforward. The one that's time consuming is below ground biomass. And so you know, for anybody who's ever done root washing, that uh, you know that that's fairly that can be fairly tedious work. Um, so so there's there's that barrier. I feel like um, so in, in future work that, that I'd like to do and, and uh, working more with this approach, I'd like to streamline um, streamline the approach and broaden it out to additional sets of species to make it more um, more likely that somebody in the field could could use this approach easily. Um, and what I would imagine could be done is um, so if if uh, if you're a practitioner and you have a group of spe- a species or a group of species that you're interested in. And of seeing how it how it would fall out in, across this sort of invasiveness traits index, you you grow it for a single growing season. You quantify traits at the end of the growing season, a, a small number of traits. Um, you plug those trait values into the equation, you know, into an equation that relates back to the larger database, and you you come out with a metric which is sort of related to invasion potential and based on based on the the suite of traits that are, that have been um, quantified. If that's if it can be streamlined and done in a in a in a way where you know we're able to minimize the number of traits and and sort of maximize the effectiveness effectiveness of that, then then I think it has a lot of promise. Where I think it has the most promise is for a sort of pre-introduction screening program where where there was more of an effort, probably at within regulatory agencies. Um, to say, okay, well, before we before we let these species enter um, our borders, we're going to put them through this um, this protocol. We're going to quantify their traits and see kind of where we expect it, it should fall. And and you know, if we can quantify invasive invasive potential or, um, or invasibility, then then maybe we can d- determine some threshold um, sort of above which we we really want to limit how how much this is introduced, or we can take a put that information into a cost benefit analysis if we have some expectations that you know that there are benefits related to horticulture or agriculture or something in in introducing the species then and it makes it easier to quantify those kinds of things and, and actually come up with a good solid sort of objective criteria i think for for allowing or limiting species introductions. Are these results general? Are they not? Um, where would you expect different patterns or the same patterns? I mean, if these were all wetland species, if you used, you know, arid plant species, would you would you not get the same answer? I think, I think we're more likely to see we're we're most likely to see that wetland species are that they tend to be invasive. Also, tend to be um, large. Uh, species that can just put on a lot of biomass in absolute size. I mean, that's that's something that um, is consistent with sort of basic wetland wetland ecology research that's been going on for a long time. Um, in more upland settings, then then I would expect that we'd be talking more about traits that have to do with resource efficiency, resource use, um, and and maybe to a less extent just how large plants get. Um, so I, I think. 
I think there's some some reasons to think that there could be some generality and some um, overlap across habitats and sort of between regions, for example. But I think there are a lot of reasons to think that that this might be um, the exact suite of traits that's that's informative in any one place might might vary kind of from habitat one habitat to the next. So if you could think of any consequences for the field of, I guess, invasion biology or plant invasion biology, um, what, what do you think are the, the consequences uh, of this paper? What are people going to, you know, go do after they read this paper? I would hope people would be taking similar approaches to this, honestly, and, and doing this common garden approach where we, where we come up with some standardized way to... Um, standardized method of quantifying traits in common gardens and 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 using this multivariate approach to to assess invasiveness and then testing it in the field so um the the next kind of empirical step is is once we have all this trait data once we align species along some kind of axis of invasiveness is is to go out and do experimental invasions with these species and see whether um species that score high on that on that index, also are would um, are successful invaders in experimental communities, for example. What was the most challenging part uh, of the study? The most challenging part was definitely um, measuring root biomass, and and I had some I had some real troopers of undergraduates at the University of Georgia working with me, helping me do that, and. Um, I remember a number of days when they were sitting out at our greenhouses in the in the freezing cold, bundled up, um, trying to stay warm while they were spraying off these these roots that we had collected and brought back. That was definitely the the hardest part. It, I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. We have been speaking with Steve Hovick of Rice University for the Journal of Ecology podcast. I'm Scott Chamberlain.